All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, everyone. Patrick McEnroe here, and of course, man, this story just uh, continues to peel back layer after layer uh, with this Novak Djokovic. I'm, I'm now going to officially call it a fiasco, which is happening down in uh, one of my favorite cities in the world. And unfortunately, I won't be making the trip down under to Melbourne for the second straight year, having been there every year since 1991. But I'm very happy to uh, welcome in someone that's lived there for most of her adult life. Although I see Tracy, it's Tracy Holmes, who's joining me from ABC in Australia, that you spent some time in China as well. And I'm extremely jealous, Tracy, just before we get into this Novak situation, that uh, as I was texting you to get you on my show here, uh, you told me you just got back from paddle boarding. So considering it's about 20 degrees here, Fahrenheit, by the way, in uh, New York at the moment, I'm a little bit jealous right now. <laughs> well, it goes both ways, Patrick, you see, because we're in the middle of our very humid summer, although quite a wet one, it has to be said. Um, but we were supposed to be in New York at the moment. So there really? you go. The wow. grass is always greener on the other side, isn't it? Yeah, but so yeah, stand up paddle boarding is a great way just to, to clear your head and uh, before you throw yourself back into these incredible sporting issues that just seem to surround us now ever more so. Yeah, well, you've been involved in uh, sports. I mean, you were one of the first female presenters, I believe. They call, they call by the way, uh, hosts of shows presenters in Australia. We call them uh, commentators or hosts, as we call them here. So you've, you've pretty much done it all as a broadcaster uh, in Australia and also, as I said, in, in China and Hong Kong for a time as well. Uh, and I listened to your podcast, which is called The Ticket. So I encourage uh, everyone to listen to uh, overall, the Tracy's podcast, but particularly the one she just did on this Novak Djokovic situation. You had so many experts on from all different fields in Australia. So obviously there's a lot of layers, as I said, Tracy, to this story, but please inform my listeners sort of where you think this whole situation is at as we speak. Well, you know, every every hour, I guess there are developments and, and people keep digging and trying to peel back the layers and, and just see where this is going. But I guess most of the, the change and most of the revelations and more of the facts are going to become obvious tomorrow Australian time, that is Monday, when the court case is held in uh, Melbourne. And people can actually tune in. There is a link that people can hop on and watch what unfolds in court. So we know that Novak Djokovic's legal team uh, put up their submission online to the court yesterday. People have been peeling through that to see exactly what happened. Um, he is alleging that there was a level of, I, I won't say harassment, but when, when they pulled him aside at immigration and said, listen, there's, we have an issue with your visa. Uh, we need to discuss this. We don't think your medical exemption is good enough. We're going to cancel your visa. What do you have to say about that? Mm -hmm. He said he, he disagreed with their point of view. Uh, he would have liked um, to wait until 8 or 8.30 in the morning because he arrived at midnight right. and he went through several hours of questioning. Um, and he said, I, I need to wait till 8 so I can call the officials at Tennis Australia right. so I can call my legal representatives and we can work through these issues. Uh, in the end, they didn't let him do that. Uh, they said, sorry, we're cancelling. This is where you're going into detention. And now that whole process, of course, was I believe he was at Melbourne Airport for, uh, was it 10, 12 hours in total? 
Uh, about 10 hours, about yes. 10 and hours. then he was taken in, yeah, in an unmarked car to a detention facility. Which apparently, as I learned from your podcast, is very common, what they do if people's visas get canceled. They call, what, what's the, the I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the word that one of your legal people mentioned, an un, what, an untitled citizen, or it was something that... Yes, exactly. Is that what it's called? Yeah, untitled citizen. Yeah, so it's basically a person that has no right. No They're right to be in the country, yeah. No right to be in the country, uh, but given that, you know, Novak is going to challenge this, he, mm-hmm. he didn't do what many people do, and that is hop on the next flight out. Was he, did we know for a fact, Tracy, that he was given that option at the, at the Melbourne airport? Yeah, that is the usual um, scenario because, uh, you know, I hate to say this, this happens um, not infrequently <laughs> right. here in Australia, and, and I gather it happens in many other countries, as you know. You think you have everything in order, you get to mm-hmm. immigration, you find out you don't, and you are put on the very next flight. So sometimes that's only a matter of hours. But right. given the circumstances in Australia at the moment, our borders have been essentially closed right. for nearly two years. And so it's not that common for international people to be flying in. They're basically only coming in if they have exemptions. Uh, and so um, the flights aren't as frequent as they used to be. So, you know, there might have been a time when there could have been three or four flights that Novak could have hopped on on that same day. That's not the situation anymore because we just don't have the flights coming in. Let me ask you, Tracy, about specifically about the medical exemption, because obviously there's been lots of stuff flying around about what exactly Novak was was providing as evidence of uh, the, the fact that he needed this medical exemption. So obviously there's a couple of different possibilities. You're allergic to the vaccine, but you have had to, would have had to take the vaccine at some point to prove that you were allergic. Um, you could have, you know, sort of one of those underlying conditions. Now, is, is, do we know for sure, Tracy, that he used the fact that he had tested positive for COVID within the last six months? Because that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what he used. Okay. Uh, he said he tested positive around December 16, and uh, he got a certificate from an authorized um, agency clinic uh, in Serbia, mm-hmm. and that is the medical certificate that he provided. And so if you've tested positive to COVID any time within, you basically have a six-month window before you need to get vaccinated. So he could claim here that if he tested positive, and here's his medical certificate, uh, then he doesn't have to have a vaccination for six months to basically let the infection get out of his body before he takes the, the vaccination. Right, of course, that doesn't explain why he wasn't vaccinated well before that, okay? Uh, no, but, exactly, and, and we're right. well aware that, you know, he's, <laughs> he, he doesn't want to be vaccinated, right. exactly. Which is his yeah. right, um, by the way. It's his right to say to not be vaccinated, but then it's not necessarily his right to go into a country like Australia or any other country for that matter that says you, if you want to come into this country as a non-citizen, you, me, you need to be vaccinated. This is certainly within Australia's rights to do that. Yes, although you can come into Australia without being vaccinated, the general policy is that you have to serve 14 days in quarantine. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is where a lot of the debate and a lot of the murkiness in this story exists right. because... The quarantining has, has traditionally been a, a state issue, a, a health-based issue, and health is looked after by the states, which is Victoria, the state that Melbourne is in. So uh, this is why he went and got exemptions from uh, two medical boards. Uh, the exemptions were done in a blind way. So basically, the applications were handed to 
a panel of medical experts who have expertise in sports medicine, in cardiology, in epidemiology, a whole variety of things. They saw uh, what the application involved. They didn't see the name. They didn't see the age. They didn't see which country these applications came from. So they were only looking at the evidence put before them. That is how he got his exemption from these two bodies. One of them was a panel put together by Tennis Australia. The other one was a panel put together by Vic Health, which is uh, the health department of the Victorian government. Now, so this is the argument. He thinks mm-hmm. that that's enough. Right. To, well, to he was, well, and he and, 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 yeah, and he was led to believe that was enough because his go exactly. his his go between was his liaison, so to speak, was Tennis Australia. I want to. I want to. That's, that's right. a huge issue, obviously, and I want to get your opinion on that. But I, I want to dig a little deeper. On, on the actual exemption, okay, because this is this is complicated to me, and this kind of gets a, to me at the crux of if if Djokovic did anything wrong, okay. So do you think or do you know that the 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 border patrol, the federal government, declined to accept his visa because they were not comfortable with the six month uh, COVID. Right, that they, in other words, they 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 believed that Djokovic had COVID, okay, but they said that's not good enough to get into the country if you're vaccinated. Or do you think that they think there was something fishy about the proof of him actually getting COVID? Yes, that's what I think they think. So they, you believe it? We're going to find this out, obviously, and I, I hope they're ready for the amount of people that are going to log on to this appeal. Okay, on the internet, they better be ready. They better just like check their servers. Okay, but I yeah, hope I'm so. Gonna, it, I'm going to break the internet for the court. Yeah, for it sure. sounds to me that the, maybe they called called him out and said, "This is, I, I'm going to use a word. This is fraudulent." That you tested positive, yeah, you don't I believe don't it. Yeah, I don't know if they used that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they used the word fraudulent or mm-hmm. dodgy, or or they just. Had or they concerns. just said we're we're not accepting this as proof. Yes, yes, exactly. And so this is what he is arguing. Um, so he's not genuine. right. So he's not arguing that he has any other medical condition. Correct. No, no, correct. Okay, interesting because that was that was always sort of out there for those of us in the tennis world that thought, oh, you know, maybe he's got because you know he went gluten free what a decade ago and he had some asthma issues. So okay, so that that I think for the moment clears that up. All right, so let, now let's get to the crux of what where I think Australia, the country, is getting a lot of pushback, and that's because. Uh, look, it's obvious the, the prime minister, to me anyway, I don't, you know, I don't know about Australian politics. You, that's why I'm talking to you. It, but it seems obvious to me that the Australian prime minister saw this as an opportunity to kind of create this, this political theater and to use Djokovic as basically, I think he's become a political pawn because, as you said, the state of Victoria working with Tennis Australia, maybe a little too closely, it turns out, uh, gave him the visa, but then the federal government, you know, when he, after Novak posted his picture, I'm on my way to Australia, love and peace to the world, I'm on my way, that's when the Australian public went ballistic. And that, to me, is when the federal government, led by the prime minister, said, hold on a second. I mean, I know this can happen in the normal course of events anyway, Tracy, as you pointed out, but don't you think that played a part in the miscommunication between the state government, Tennis Australia, and the federal government is, is, is a big factor in this mess that this thing has become. Absolutely. 
And I think people can't ignore, uh, you need to sort of pull the lens back a little bit and, and widen the landscape. And so what we've been seeing in Australia for the past two years, Victoria is led by a Labor government, which is in opposition effectively to our federal government, which is a, a Liberal National Party coalition. So uh, politically, they are at odds. Uh, politically, there's been a lot of jostling, to put it kindly, uh, between these two governments uh, for the last two years. We know that Melburnians and Victorians have had the worst of lockdown, probably, right. you know, that the harshest um, conditions of, of most people on the planet uh, for the past two years. It's been very, very difficult for them. Um, mental stress and mental illness has gone through the roof because of uh, how severely they've been locked down, the lack of social interaction, um, the lack of ability to, to live a life as we have known. Um, so, so that's the, the underlying factors in Victoria. And so they think they have given up uh, two years of their life in trying to eradicate COVID. As we are seeing now with 90% of the population in Australia vaccinated, we've got the highest COVID positives that we've had throughout this entire saga. So we cannot get rid of it. Um, but they feel like they have given up so much and that anybody that they think has, is, is flouting our laws and regulations or, or basically giving the middle finger um, to the, the very strict nature of our COVID approach um, is not welcome here. Mm. And so that's the backlash from the public. The federal government has been criticised a lot because of, of you know, perceived failings in this area and they have an election coming up in around May of this year. So something that is used very often in Australian politics, in federal politics, before federal elections, is this idea of border control. Mm. We have very harsh conditions for anyone trying to come into the country as an asylum seeker. Uh, we have those people detained and locked up for many, many years. Um, but Australians, are, like most people, uh, are very conscious of our border. And no government has ever failed in raising issues of border control ahead of an election. And Novak Djokovic has flown into this mm. landscape uh, with all of those things playing out. No, he's, he's flown into an absolute political firestorm. And uh, also on your podcast, which, again, I encourage everybody to listen to, called The Ticket. You can check it out. Uh, Tracy Holmes, uh, with an E, by the way, T-R-A-C-E, Holmes. Go to her Twitter and check out her podcast, the, the, um, the Ticket, because one of the interviews you did was fascinating with, an, with someone who's been in one of – actually in the same hotel now – the gentleman from Iran who, who fled Iran to get out of his country when he was 15, and he's now just about 25. So for 10 years, Tracy, this gentleman has basically never seen the light of day, been moved around to different locations in Australia. Now he's in the same, quote-unquote, hotel, holding center, detention center, whatever you want to call it, in downtown Melbourne. That was a fascinating conversation. Yeah, uh, you know, my heart bleeds when you hear stories like his. Um, and as you say, he fled Iran. He was being persecuted. He's from a minority there. He was 15 years old. He escaped. He hopped on a boat uh, on his own, um, arrived in Australia, applied for um, asylum. And he's been moved around, detained for 10 years. He spent all of those latter years of his teenage years and early adulthood being locked up. Mm. Now he's in this what's called the Park Hotel in Carlton, uh, which is a hotel where, where there are many detainees. 
including Novak Djokovic now. And um, I wanted to speak to him about what conditions are like. Effectively, they, they can't open their windows. It's a single room with uh, a bathroom. The only interaction they have is uh, people knock at the door when their meals are delivered and then they open the door and pull the meal in. Mm. Uh, and once a week, he gets some medication delivered and he gets to have a chat to the nurse. That's effectively the sum total of his social interaction. He's been at this particular hotel for about three months now. Um, but it was interesting, this poor bloke and, and the environment he's in, uh, to say that when he heard that Novak Djokovic um, was being held in the same hotel, he, he thought it was a dream. He thought, no, this can't be real. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but it very much is real. No, that's for sure. Well, that was a really intense uh, interview. and well, well done on that. Let's get back to the Djokovic situation and the layers because we could go on and on. But uh, look, I'm, I have been a big fan for many years. I've known him for a long time the gentleman who runs Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley. Of course, he was a college tennis coach here in the United States for a while. At different times, he's been up for the big job uh, with the USTA, the association here that runs the U.S. Open. So he's known as a player's guy. You know, he goes above and beyond to support the players, to help the players. You know, it's, the Australian Open is known as being the happy slam, the friendly tournament where all the players are taken care of. Everybody's got a smile on their face so on and so forth. But my opinion, again, having gone through this over the last week, is that maybe Craig went a little bit too far in this case, you know, because according to the materials I've been, been forwarded and I've read, Tracy, in addition to the fact that Novak um, tested positive and then he was seen out and about at some public events in the day or two after he supposedly tested positive, there's also the issue that, if you wanted to get your application in for to get the approval, it had to be done by December 10th, okay? And apparently he didn't test positive until December 16th. So maybe he went a little above and beyond to get some of the players, you know, the help that they needed to get this uh, visa. And obviously in the case of Djokovic, could it be possible that he overstepped the bounds a little bit here? Well, yeah, I guess it depends how you measure it, don't you? And I know that a lot of uh, the discussion here in Australia, particularly led by our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is that rules are rules and they apply to everybody. Now, having been in this world for probably as many decades um, as you, Patrick, we're, we're of a similar vintage. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, we know, don't we, that it, it's not always like that. Um, you you earn different levels of respect. You start to move in different circles. Um, you lean on people to try and help you out. We're talking about one of the world's Grand Slam tournaments. We're talking about uh, an event where Novak Djokovic has won this nine times previously. He's standing on the doorway, becoming the greatest of all time when it comes to you know a winning record in in majors. Right. Um, you would do, if you were in charge of that event, you would do everything you could without breaking the law, mm, <laughs> but right. you would push those boundaries yep. as much as possible to try and attract the best field you could, including having the defending champion there. Now, uh, if, if he broke rules, that's a different scenario. If he broke the law, that's a criminal um, act. But sport is all about pushing the margins about going as, as far as you can within those limitations um, to create the best environment, to, to, to bring about victory over defeat. 
Um, this is what sport is. And in fact, this is what life is. This is the great lessons of sport that we can apply to life are exactly that. You know, you, you push and you push and you push. Yes, sometimes people go too far. Um, I don't know if, if any uh, rules or laws have been broken here. All this is going to come out in the court case. Um, but I certainly, uh, at this point, with all the information we have to date, um, I, I, I don't blame Craig Tiley or the Australian Open organisers uh, in maybe going above and beyond uh, in trying to get Novak Djokovic here. I'm not saying anybody should cheat. I'm mm -hmm. not saying anybody should break rules and regulations or laws. But I am saying that this is what you do. When you host a dinner party, you try and put on the best dinner party. Mm. You don't just kind of do a haphazard whatever and hope people enjoy it. You know, right. you put in every effort you can. And, and as you said, this is what Craig Kiley has a history of doing for, for players oh, and, he's and done the it. tournaments that yeah. he runs. And he's mm. done it and he's done a great job. But, uh, you know, I think that, that, that the relationship that there seems, and you've given me a lot more background on sort of the politics involved, Obviously, as you said, the uh, the tournament is in the state of Victoria. The state of Victoria actually owns Rod Laver Arena, where the tournament is played. Owns the facility, Melbourne Park. So there's there's always been a very close relationship. What I think, which I think has been very successful for the success of the event, right? Over the years when they made the move to Melbourne Park, they left um, uh, the old uh, facility where they played the tournament on the grass courts and they moved there. Uh, Kuyang, their, their name was about to come Kuyang, to the Kuyang, yeah. yeah. So, I, but I think that here, it seems like the, 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 the relationship, the communication with the federal government was, wasn't quite as clean as it could have been. And one would have thought, that and, and I know that the Prime Minister has said this, I know others have said this, you know, it's certainly possible that you think you have the visa and you get to the country and they say, you know, there's something wrong with it, it's not quite right. But you would think that with Novak Djokovic and even other players coming to Australia, that that would have been pretty locked in. You know, that would have been pretty tight. There would have been the loose ends would have been tied up so that there was, there was going to be real clarity when they got to the airport in wherever they showed up in Australia. Yeah, and, and one of the interesting things is um, the, the sports minister, the acting sports minister in Victoria at the moment, um, about half an hour before Novak Djokovic's plane was due to touch down, she sent a tweet. Like, this is 11.15 at night. She sends a tweet saying the federal government has asked whether we would uh, endorse, you know, special application, whatever, for Novak's visa. No, that's not our domain. Federal government looks after visas and, you know, the doctors and health facilities look after the exemptions. Right. So it's like, what, what was happening mm -hmm. at 11.15 at night before Novak even got off his plane? There was still this political jostling mm. and the federal government saying, we, we, we're, we're washing our hands of this because the reaction is so toxic in so many areas to Novak coming and not being... Uh, you know, vaccinated, and you've got um, the the state government then saying, "Oh no, well we're not going to take responsibility, so that you can blame us and mm. and turn the the population against us." Uh, it's just awful, and so this is why you know maybe some in politics, maybe the prime minister would say this is not a political situation. This is simply Australia exercising its sovereign rights on borders. Fair enough. Uh, but when you've got all of these other things playing out and you've got a two-year history of the federal government and the state government being at each other's throats, everybody trying to blame everybody else, uh, this is why you cannot help but think that, that 
politics uh, is is a major player in this scenario. No, you got and, and, right. and I should just yeah. point out very quickly, Patrick, that, mm-hmm. you know, we also know there are a handful of other um, uh, what, officials and, and players that also got exemptions right. under the same yep. sort of conditions. Now, they flew into Melbourne. <laughs> they picked up their luggage. They got their little box ticked and their stamp put in their passport and they went to their hotel. They started practicing. Everything was going along nicely. They were fine. So Novak Djokovic has a name has a headline, creates a diplomatic incident around the world, and here we are discussing it, and now he's going to be appearing, or his legal team will be appearing, uh, in the federal court in Melbourne on Monday. It's, it's, it's a massive situation. It didn't need to get to this. It could have been resolved very differently, one way or the other. Um, but, you know, it's, it's certainly a game that is much bigger than than on a tennis court. No, you got that right. I really, really appreciate, Tracy, you giving me it. We've gone 25 minutes. It just flew by. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I know you're super busy. Uh, paddleboard number two should be coming up soon. Uh, we hope you can make the trip to New York. I hope I can make the trip down under. It's really my favorite event to attend. I love the country, love going there. And we will be watching intently. It's Monday morning, Australia time, which is Sunday evening here on the East Coast of New York. I will be watching, so will many of us here. And I hope we can talk again and maybe do a little follow-up at some point next week, Tracy. Yeah, that would be my pleasure. Really great talking to you, Patrick. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Tracy Holmes from ABC in Australia here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.